Um, I hope you managed to get outside and enjoy the fantastic creation, the fantastic country that we live in. Um, I went, got, got out fishing a couple of times and um, got massively um, sunburned <laughs> as well. In uh, here. <laughs> well, they're a part of me now. Um, but yeah, often, um, sometimes, sometimes when I go outside, I wear sunglasses very occasionally. And um, many years ago, one hot and sunny afternoon, I put on some sunglasses because it was so bright and intense. And I forgot that I had them on. And that, that evening I went inside and I thought, man, it's got dark quickly. Um, <laughs> and then I realised I still had my sunglasses on. As an aside, um, my worst effort was I was trying to find a pen and it was behind my ear. I, it took me about half an hour to figure that one out. That's right. Well, yeah, yeah. I haven't done that for a little while, but um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, hold that, hold that thought in mind that the sunglass, sunglasses picture, because I'll, I'll come back to it. It relates to what I want to speak about today. Um, over the summer break, um, I've been reading a number of books, and a similar theme has run through them all. Um, basically, the challenge of secularism and how it affects our, us and our culture. And uh, we wanted to um, start off this year recentering ourselves and just um, taking a bit of time to explore um, the culture <clears throat> in which we live and the pressures that we, um, we, we face. So what is secularism? There's um, evidently three types of secularism. Um, the first is political secularism, which is the separation of the church and state. And I guess there's quite a few of us that are okay with that um, now. Um, the second one is philosophical secularism, and that's a lot more serious. It's basically let's get, a, get rid of religion. And... So philosophical secularism sees religion as mistaken or even malevolent and it ought to be debunked and discarded. And then the last one is socio-cultural secularism and that's basically how um, we lose um, the traditional religious words and meanings and uh, rituals and they get they get twisted into something else. And so, for example, um, this is one of my own bugbears, um, we, I, I noticed people now say happy holidays instead of happy Christmas. And I'm like, Arr. don't like that. So, of these, philosophical secularism is probably the most concerning for all, not just Christians, but everyone who believes in the supernatural because it represents a movement that is actively trying to disabuse, so that disabuse means convince us all that we're mistaken in what we believe, um, actively trying to disabuse other people of their religious beliefs or involvement. It is a secularism that actively seeks to combat and critique religion 
It is predicated on the view that religion ought to go away, that religious beliefs ought not to be believed anymore, that religion is a harmful thing and society would generally be better off if it just went away. <clears throat> and Phil Zuckerman is a secularist, so <laughs> that's, that's what he believes. And to be fair, they've, the secularists have made reasonably good progress over the world, uh, haven't they? And, and every seems like every census here in New Zealand, the, the percentage of people saying that they are irreligious grows and the, people, um, the percentage of people that say we believe in God decreases. And it's a similar trend in virtually every country on earth, um, although it's encouraging to read of the growth of the church in China, uh, South America, especially the Middle East, Iran, evidently the, the church is booming in Iran, which is incredible, isn't it, the, the persecution that they suffer there. <coughs> so <coughs> I did read, though, that secularists are finding the task of moving beyond religion an immense challenge, so I got a lot of joy out of that statement. So I guess I've been conscious, or growingly conscious, of this ever-present pressure that is constantly trying to convince us that our belief in the Lord and God is a fanciful waste of time and that we need to grow up and move on. And this is why. There's, there's a group of people, there's a movement that has dedicated itself to that end. And that's why we feel it. And it's, it's kind of a, annoying. You can't, you can't look at a nature program now without being told, oh, it's all to do with evolution, and isn't evolution amazing? And I think evolution is a great, amazing guy looking at what he's produced. It's amazing. Um, but secularism comes at an enormous price. It makes the quest for meaning impossible. If we embrace secularism, we say goodbye to meaning. And that's a huge price. And a secularist, uh, Susan Blackmore, said this, Nothing matters, it's all empty and meaningless. Get on with it, girl, accept the meaningless of everything. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? That's uplifting. Zippity-doo-dah. But this is the outcome of secularism. And we wonder why anxiety, stress, meaningless is increasing and people try and find meaning in their jobs, in relationships, in drugs, um, in hyper-individual individualistic experiences everything is meaningless if we accept secularism and this means that if everything is meaningless then the only thing left to do is to strive to be happy and I've been reading a book called Disappearing Church that um, concludes the secularist view is simply a modern version of Gnosticism and this is a guy Harold Bloom that has calls himself a modern Gnostic. The central goal of life is to be happy and feel good about oneself. Sounds like Ecclesiastes, eh? <laughs> and yet the quest for meaning is not so easily discarded. The possibility that this life is all there is and there's no meaning is literally depressing for many people leading to the increasing levels of anxiety, stress and suicide that we are seeing in Western civilizations all over the world. And that's why it was so refreshing for me to read. I don't know if you are familiar with um, Jordan Peterson. He's um, quite a controversial philosopher. 
but he's criticised the idea that happiness is the proper goal for life. Criticised it. He held a radio show entitled Just Say No to Happiness. <laughs> Just Say No to Happiness. This is what he reckons. In a crisis, the inevitable suffering that life entails can rapidly make a mockery of the idea that happiness is the proper pursuit of the individual. On the radio show, I suggested and said that a deeper meaning was required. I noted that the nature of such meaning was constantly represented in the great stories of the past and that it had more to do with developing character in the face of suffering than with happiness. And I was reminded of our study in James. Dear brothers, is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Then be happy. Isn't that interesting? Happiness can be found in difficulties and temptations. That's not possible if you accept the secularist point of view. <clears throat> then be happy, for when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow and don't try to squirm out of your problems. For when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you'll be ready for anything, strong in character, full and complete. And there's, this, there's an unspoken view that, that, we're hitting, that we're heading somewhere. We're heading in a direction. Strong in character, full and complete. There's a purpose to suffering. So that's diametrically op opposite to secularism. There's also a hidden warning here that I hadn't seen before. The scripture says that if we follow God's way, we will be strong in character. Therefore, the opposite is true. If a nation turns its back on God, its people will not be strong in character. And philosophers, and I've read this recently, uh, both secular and Christian are concerned that secularism uh, breeds individualism. And so we, we're all concerned about finding our own path for meaning. And we're all concerned about finding our own experiences. And I was, I said, I was conscious of this. I poured myself a whiskey and I went outside on the deck. It was a beautiful, quiet evening. I thought, man, this is great. And then suddenly some clown, I mean some person, went by on their loud motorbike. You know, it's like, he was expressing his individualism. He was doing what he wanted to, finding his meaning in his expression. I was trying to enjoy the evening, and, and we clashed. He didn't know that we clashed, but we did clash. And so it creates conflict. And it will always create conflict. Hyper-individualism will always create conflict. And I, I don't know if you're concerned about the polarisation that's happening in America at the moment, but we're kind of seeing it in Australia and to a lesser extent here, but it's there. And it seems that um, it, it's the, the Republicans believe that the Democrats are evil and that Democrats believe the Republicans are evil. And once you get to that, you're not very far away from violence, I don't think. But anyway... <clears throat> I think that's a product of secularism. Coming back to the philosophers uh, being concerned about individualism, individualism drives a desire for personal freedom and autonomy. But the cost of this autonomy is loss of community, polarisation and increasing personal fragility. And there was one um, in, in the book Disappearing Church, uh, there was a guy commenting about how concerned he is about um, 
the personal fragility of our young people. And yet, the call to be happy is a lot more attractive than the call to develop character in the face of suffering, isn't it? A lot more attractive. We all want to be happy, and I don't think there's anything wrong with being happy. Happy is, is good. But the Christian gospel would say, God is not so much interested in our happiness, but that we come to know him. And his love for us to become strong and secure in his love, that we are not impacted or swayed by what other people say about us, what other people have, and what we, we, um, we're basically able to be stable, unaffected by the things that buffet us. And God wants us, of course, to form Christ in our character. And this is what James talks about. Strong in character, full and complete, and Christ was the most strongest character and most complete character. So not only do we battle our natural inclination to want to be happy, we are also submerged in the secular sea that says if we're not happy, it's a violation of our human rights. So there's this pressure on us. And I've been conscious of it over the last, especially the last few years. And I'm concerned because like the sunglasses we had on the bright light of day and forgot about and walked inside and everything seemed pretty dark, it's easy to unconsciously put on the sunglasses of secularism or even take secularist ideas and we put them on and we forget that we put them on and we wonder why our view of the world is coloured. An example is personal happiness. It's, it's difficult to accept a verse like that, isn't it? And yet it's much more realistic. It's, but it, it gives us hope in suffering. As opposed to the secularist viewpoint, which is suffering is something to be avoided at all costs. And I think that's why we're seeing the, the move to euthanasia and things like that. It's, uh, it's, it's an individualistic thing. Um, it's my right to do what I want to do with my own life, so let me end it if I want to. Yeah, pretty heavy stuff, eh? Sorry, team. But um, this is what I've been <laughs> thinking about over the, over the break. So last Sunday we went to St. Augustine's, and, and in, in addition to all these books I've been reading, the guy there talked about secularism. And he likens secularism to a group of people entering a house, boarding up all the doors and windows, and living as though the only real world was the inside of that house. The danger and the threat of secularism is that it cuts off connection to God. Secularism says this is all there is, this house that we're living inside and that we boarded up all the walls and windows. To the people inside the house, that's all there is, the only reality. But if you're living inside and you boarded up all the windows, you won't see the sun, you won't feel the breeze, you won't see the mountains and the trees waving in the breeze. There is no wonder, there's no mystery. There's no being that is greater than ourselves. And the preacher gave us a call that I wanted to bring to all of us here. Realize secularism for what it is and throw open the shutters and open the windows 
of your mind and of your heart to the Lord. Break down the boards of the house if they, are, if they have been started to, to be put up and connect again with our transcendent God, the one who will give us true meaning. Let the light of God's love and the wind of his spirit blow through our hearts and minds afresh as we begin this new year as a community of faith.